Welcome back. Welcome back to the Cult Popcast. Episode 180-something? 184. Wow. It's been a long time. Yeah. Just churning them out this year. Well, there's been a lot of content and a lot of stuff to cover. Speaking of covering, or not covering, I guess, we are not going to cover a show that I thought we were. That's called <laughs> Blackbird. On Apple, Apple on Apple TV, Blackbird, yeah. yeah. It's a really good show. It's just not something, and specifically for the content, uh, the events that transpire in the show, I just don't want to talk about it, because... You don't want to dwell in that headspace? Correct. You want to talk about why? <laughs> because it is really messed up. Yeah. Uh, it's a story about a guy in prison for moving drugs around, and he is confronted by law enforcement to try to befriend a serial killer who's also in prison and try to get them to admit to their crime of murdering young girls, underage girls. And he does it in episode five, and it's extremely explicit and horrifying. You don't even, you don't see it. You just hear it. And uh, yeah, I just don't want to, I don't know. I don't want to glorify that. So I don't (laughs) want to do an episode on it. And it's any, and I was already thinking, I'm unsure if this is a good show. It was a lot like Under the Banner of Heaven, where it was like the subject matter and the premise and the story really good. And it's technically very proficient, but it just wasn't super compelling outside of that, you know? So I just wanted to mention that we're not going to do that. And on our podcast, I thought we were. And so now we're not. Sorry to start it off really dark. Well, it's a dark podcast today, Stephen. Is it? I thought yeah. Barry was a comedy. <gasps> you thought it, it is. It was. And it still is, kind of. Oh. Uh, I was just looking at the cast for Blackbird, and uh, I noticed a character that's in Barry season three. The actor is Robert Wisdom, who I guess in Blackbird played a character called Edmund Beaumont. But uh, interesting connection there. Yeah, while you were watching Blackbird, I was watching Barry. Because Barry season three was a couple months ago. And I had been a big Barry season one and two fan and had neglected to keep up with it post-COVID as they released the new series. You told me to watch Barry. I did. And I did. I told you when season two aired to watch Barry because season two, which I think was 2019, I'm not sure. Yeah. It blew my socks off. I, I was like, this is really good television. Okay. And especially like very memorable moments, either episode four or five was Ronnie Lilly, where Bill Hader directed for one of his first few episodes, I think. And it was just a fantastic little, honestly, Emmy worthy directed episode. So I was very excited to see what he would do because he was going to take a larger role directing this season. Mm -hmm. And I was very curious where he was going to go creatively because season two ended on a big bombshell with uh, Stephen Roos' character, Fuchs, telling Henry Winkler's character, Cousineau, who was uh, kind of Barry's mentor that uh, Barry had killed his love. So I guess this would be a good point to say, full spoilers for this podcast, as I talk about Barry and Barry season three. This is an episode 
where I have not watched Barry. Well, you started to, and, and you said it just didn't thrill you enough to keep you interested in finishing season one. Yeah, I have not watched Barry, and I might still continue to watch it and then post my feelings about it later. An addendum. On an addendum. <laughs> Our new addendums. That's just a fun word to say. Addendum. Addendum. So, yeah, this might be an addendum episode. It depends on whether I even get through it. I personally started watching it and had a really hard time connecting with the show. I am currently on episode three of season one, and I'm just struggling to get through it. Yeah, and I said that the first few episodes, I think, of Barry are enough to give you a vibe for the first two seasons of the show. And if you aren't enjoying yourself at that point, it's probably just not for you. Again, the first two seasons, I, I sort of think of those as a their own entity. Yeah. Uh, but every everything I hear about Barry is like, it's the it's great. It's one of the best shows. Every time I talk about it with somebody, they're like, it's so good. And I'm like, what do you like about it? And they're like, it's just so good. Yeah. Well, Barry season one and two, I think uh, for its time, especially, remember this is pre-COVID, the world was just warming up to kind of the new age of television with stuff like Atlanta and all that other great streaming content. I have yet to see any surreal aspects in this show, though. Well, you're two episodes in, so. Three. Three, yeah. Surrealist, the focus is not on surrealism like it is in Atlanta. And I, I keep thinking of Atlanta as a comparison point, not just because of the timing, uh, the proximity and timing, but because of the auteur aspect of it, I guess. Mm. Um, and what it's trying to accomplish with these small, tight episodes in a in a limited season, you know? Who's the creator? Very self-contained. Of this show. Bill Hader and Alec Berg are sort of the creative duo, I think, from what I understand behind the narrative of this show and the style. And actually, Hiro Mirai from Atlanta had a large hand in the first two seasons, I think, hmm. uh, directing some of the stuff and lending his um, crew aesthetic, I think, which I is another point of comparison for me. I do like Hero. But yeah, Surrealist is just something I think of kind of in the aftertaste of this show. And that's mostly because of season two and what they start to do. It takes a larger role in season three. But yeah, I'm a big Barry fan. Like I said, season one and two, pretty memorable for me. And I rewatched them going into season three because I hadn't remembered it very well. But also since Barry is such a short, bite-sized show, I wanted to revisit it. And it was great. I loved it a second time through. And now I'll start talking about season three because it is uh, an interesting, polarizing series of television. A lot of people are not thrilled, not loving the direction of the show at this point. It's very dark. Season three, Bill Hader and Alec Berg, I guess at some point during the pandemic, decided they were going to just start exploring what was possible within their own show. And season three, I think, in my opinion, because I haven't done a lot of research behind the what Bill and Alec were trying to do here, it seems like they or are just deconstructing their premise. Like the initial idea of the show is Bill as Barry is a hitman. He's ex-military. He's living life as a hitman. He's depressed. And he comes across this acting class in LA on a hit. And he becomes enthralled and captivated by this lifestyle and this kind of idea of self-expression. And he sort of begins to believe that this is potentially who... He's meant to be. Yeah, who he's meant to be, how he wants to live his life, and he wants to become this new person. 
He doesn't want to be a hitman anymore. Yeah. He's just good at killing people, but he's not like in love with it. And Barry to me seems like kind of a, not autistic, but he's like socially inept to a degree, which is a kind of a... He definitely seemed that way yeah, in the episodes I am That's watching. sort of a um, like a galvanizing force for the plot is his inability to read social circumstances. Anyway, that develops to the point in season three Season three begins, and Barry is in a completely different space than where we've seen him in the past. He is entirely unhinged. And is there a time jump? It's There's a few months between the end of season two and the beginning of season three. Hmm. I think there's like a couple months. So we meet up with our characters. Sally, who's Barry's love interest, played incredibly by Sarah Goldberg, one of the standouts of the show, is like now starting to find success in her life as this potential new showrunner because she's in Hollywood and Henry Winkler we catch up with him as he is she's a showrunner now yeah she's pitching a show that she's been working on oh so she's not trying to act anymore correct yeah in season two she was acting in a performance that got recognized in her story her original production for this play or this theater piece they're working on got picked up to be a show and so they put her in charge of developing the show that's cool it was cool for her (laughs) I like her character. Her character is one of the things I like about the show. Yeah, she is remarkable, and I can't wait to see her in more stuff. Is he in love with her in the show? Yeah, he's super in love with her, but their relationship is extremely complicated. And Stephen Root just is sticking around. Yeah, Stephen Root's still around. This, this, there's... He's, he's just trying to make money off of Barry, right? Yeah, again, it's very complicated, their relationship, and I'm... So this cast doesn't take, like, multiple hours. I'm just going to really condense the story of the show and it's going to undersell the character arcs and I'm sorry for that but for the sake of timing we have to keep it concise but Fuchs at this point in his relationship with Barry who's played by Stephen Root is like solely an antagonistic kind of villain role he is out and his his sole purpose in life is to ruin Barry's life because Barry has sort of left him behind because Barry wants to do his own thing and he's found this new mentor in Henry Winkler Gene Cousineau and Fuchs can't Fuchs isn't just about money. He's about, he's one of our narcissistic personalities in the show, of which there are many. Narcissism is a big thing in the show. Uh, And Fuchs has, at least on two separate instances in this series, in this season, has the opportunity to live like a happy life in an idyllic, natural place. Like at one point he's in Chechnya and he's living on a farm and sort of a witness protection sort of thing. And he's like found this beautiful woman and he's settled down with her and he's living the, his best life. And then he's called out to like, he, he leaves that behind because he has to get revenge on Barry because he can't live knowing that Barry has moved past him and left him behind. What? He does that a second time in California where he ends up on a farm. Another farm? It was a goat. It was like a farm with goats and beautiful women. And he's again? there. Again? A second time. They play on it again. That's hilarious. And he leaves it again because he has to have, he has to ruin Barry's life for, for Barry, like being able to move past his relationship with Fuchs. It's incredible. That's just point one. That's like their dynamic. And it's, it's amazing. Okay. Uh, but yeah, this, this series was incredibly dark. Like I said, Barry is unhinged and he is very hard. He's always been a difficult character to root for. He's kind of like that anti-hero who has this dark side, but uh, season three really dives into that and makes him very difficult to root for the things that he does. And it almost like, it's to, not that he's Steven root for 
Yeah, exactly. Does Steven root for him? He. It's not that he's being flanderized either. I think the writers uh, and Alec and Bill are just like playing around with what they can do in the sandbox they've created. Like I said, deconstructing the original premise of the show, and it feels like they're just flexing or having fun in the writer's room. This, this series is very unpredictable. This season, a lot of things will just happen, and they don't waste any time either getting to new plot points. Like, they, they resolve the season two finale in the first episode of season three, and they don't stretch it out, Barry's relationship with Kusuno. They move that forward. The pacing is very tight, and they're always, like, getting onto new crazy circumstances to throw Barry into. There's kind of a John Wick feel to this series as uh, Fuchs is making Barry's life difficult by sending a lot of his ex-Mark's family members after Barry. And uh, that's a hilarious thing in and of itself. That's another shape, another way the the theme of the season takes shape, which is the this violent is, things we do for those we three? love. This is all season three. Oh, okay. Yeah, like I said, this is another way that the theme of the season takes shape, which is the way our love becomes violent for the people we love and the, the things we do for the people we love, like Jamie Lannister says in the first episode of Game of Thrones, where he knocks Bran out the window. It's just like that. So Barry is constantly pulled back into these circumstances where he's he's doing terrible things, uh, both to like cover up his own tracks because he wants to preserve the life he has, but also to help the people he loves. Like He ends up murdering people for... Gene Cousineau and for Sally because he wants to protect them because he loves these people. So it's a very sad and frustrating season. And even me, who just in, who just dearly loves this show, I felt it difficult to watch at times because Barry is just digging himself farther and farther into this pit, both kind of literally, but also uh, morally in terms of like his soul being more and more corrupted. And he's struggling with that throughout the show. The people who are his friends and acquaintances are also like processing that with him as more and more people start to become aware of Barry Berkman's alter ego as a hitman or like his hitman lifestyle, I guess. There's a lot of callbacks through season one in this series. One of those is his old war buddy, Albert Wynn, is uh, now an FBI agent and he's on the hunt for this killer who he comes to learn is Barry. And so that's a fascinating dynamic. That's interesting. And they end up meeting in the finale and he approaches Barry and he's like, oh man, I don't even know how to, how to sell that. But uh, the finale was, was really fascinating. And it ended up, we ended up in a place where every season of the show ends with kind of a bombshell. And this season it ends with Barry being arrested, finally. His sins have finally caught up with him, essentially. And he is outwitted by Gene... Cousineau, who ends up setting him up because Barry's been kind of uh, not extorting Gene, but he's like been... I thought he liked him. He He loves Gene, but his love is complex. His love is for Gene is pure, but he he's doing things to Gene. Like, for instance, so when we when we see Gene at the end of season two, he just finds out that Barry killed his, his love, the love of his life from season one. Why? And so season three, Barry knows that Gene knows. Why did Barry kill her? Because she found out about Barry as a hitman. So he had to kill her. But in season three, Barry starts out about to kill Gene because he can't let Gene live knowing this because Gene's going to go tell everybody about Barry as a hitman. But he comes up with this insane plan where uh, he's going to res- he's going to amend his sins by getting... He's going to repair their relationship by getting Gene another acting gig because Gene is like a a failed actor, essentially. 
and he's like, in hit in Barry's effed up uh, mental processing, he's he thinks he can resolve this conflict by just getting Gene an acting gig. So he is kind of like a warped mind. Oh, it's super warped. It is abs- and it's only played up to eleven in because, this series because killing is like commonplace for him. Yeah, he doesn't think about it uh, like we do. He's like killing is just a way to solve a problem because he's he's like deranged. <laughs> That goes all the way back to his experiences in Afghanistan and Korangal, which is like part of his backstory. It's it's pretty complex. But anyway, Gene ends up getting a lot of opportunities out of that relationship, and he ends up becoming very successful in season three. People start recognizing Gene again, and his life is like taking an upswing. And uh, it ends with him turning in Barry because Barry is like still this... Uh, shadowy presence over Gene's life that Gene has to just kind of take care of. And so what he happens, sets Barry up. So why doesn't the FBI agent arrest him? So Albert, the FBI agent confronts Barry or whatever fed agent, whatever organ he's a part of, I think he's FBI, but he confronts Barry at the end as Barry, as Barry is burying another body. And he essentially lets Barry off. He comes up to Barry. He says, Barry, this has to end because Barry saved this guy's life back in, uh, the Middle East. And so that was a really, really interesting thing. Gotcha. That I, that alone is like grounds for conversation, like why he let Barry go. And one of the big things in this show that I've been kind of tossing around in my head throughout all the seasons is the way we interpret violence, um, specifically in the context of like our military and the military industrial complex of the mm. United States of America. Ever heard of it? Yeah. And so the <laughs> Afghanistan war like the Iraq war, all the stuff we've done overseas has been a huge part of that in the last 20, 30 years. Right. And that's that's really important context for Barry's character because that's part of the reason why he looks at murder in this way, which is this nonchalant way of like death as just an answer to a problem. Commonplace. So that almost seems like reflected in the way Albert deals with Barry because Albert, knowing what Barry has done in the past, at least in killing one of their ex-Marine buddies... Who plays Albert? It's played by James Hiroyuki Liao uh, from Brooklyn. Although I think Wynn is a Vietnamese name. Anyway. He played Albert in Iron Fist. <laughs> yeah. There you go. <laughs> Another Great Albert. name. Albert. He confronts Barry and he says, this has to stop starting now, which is a, another callback to season one. But he basically lets Barry off. And it's that that is in and of itself just such a fun thing. <laughs> And I haven't even talked about like uh, Sally's journey throughout this uh, season, which was amazing. She gets her show off the ground and then it's canceled because, and this is one of the, oh my God. Okay. Despite how dark the season is, it is simultaneously just as hilarious as Barry has ever been. And I'm a big sucker for the kind of comedy that Bill writes. Sometimes it has this like Tim Robinson feel. And that comes out in spades in episode seven of this season. Which the whole thing felt like a fever dream, but especially episode seven, which I would compare to like the Ronnie Lilly episode in season two with its uh, surrealist aspects. But one of the things that happen in this season are uh, Sally's show is canceled because it's it's resolved that an algorithm has determined that the show will not be successful, even though it's been less than 24 hours since right. the premiere. Right. Even though her show has a 90 something percent rating on Rotten Tomatoes. Her show is canceled by the network, by the studios yeah. or execu- executives, because sure. the algorithm has determined it will not be successful. That's super funny. The whole scene is amazing. They talk about 
crazy bullshit corpo speak like taste clusters yeah. it's like yeah. it's insane and she almost gets another thing picked up by uh vanessa bear has a cameo in season or in episode seven uh-huh. which is another incredible scene it feels like a vanessa bear bit from like snl or tim robinson where she's like mm-hmm. she's like we need something that's more uh-huh mm-hmm. <laughs> it's so funny unless you guys mm. you have you get you have to see it and then seasons uh episode seven has another like insane cool car chase a lot of a lot of fantastic stuff it's been really interesting watching bill Hader's development as a director um not just as a storyteller but as the things he can do behind the camera and his vision for this series has been really interesting to watch develop i really like vanessa bear she's really funny she's hilarious yeah some other incredible standout moments from this season Noho Hank has been really fun to watch his developing relationship with Cristobal, which is just like the ill-fated star-crossed lovers of this show, <laughs> even more than Barry and Sally. Noho Hank is like the wholesome heart of this show, even though people say Sally is. Sally's been like, Sally's always been this narcissistic individual. Yeah. And it's been really sad, especially in season three, watching her mirror uh, Barry's kind of toxic undercurrent personality but Noho Hank is always this wholesome guy even though he works for the mob and he actually in the finale he goes to Bolivia to like rescue Cristobal and there's this incredible scene where you're staying with Hank in a jail cell the whole time but you're it keeps cutting to a wall as you listen and it's all sound design you listen to what's happening on the other side of the wall (laughs) and it's a panther (laughs) slaughtering his friends in the other cell no. And all you see is Hank's reaction. He's like handcuffed to a radiator and he's watching the wall. This scene is several minutes long. And then the the panther starts to like uh, slam against the jail cell and it's about to burst into Hank's room. Oh, no. And Hank, in an act of desperation, pulls his handcuffs off the radiator and attacks a guy and then shoots through the wall and kills the panther oh, after wow. the panther has killed his friends. Wow. But you never see in that room. It's It's spectacular right. filmmaking right. or television making. How do you know it's a panther? It sounded like a lion, but I've read online, Bill's done a lot of podcast work with this season and he's described it as a panther. Oh, okay. I'm pretty sure. What do you mean podcast work? He's done several podcasts per episode with different people, like breaking down the episodes. Oh. And the finale, I think he did, he said it was a panther, but podcast, really cool. Podcast work. Yeah, one is The Ringer. He was on every season, every episode of Barry had a Ringer episode uh, podcast. So you guys can check that out if you want to hear more. But I love podcasts like that that follow like the shows episode by episode. Yeah, with the creators, I listened to a podcast that the creators of Lost put out every episode of Lost after it dropped. They put out a podcast the next day. I would love that. I it I, that's how I. Well, that's what probably why I love Lost so much as what like uh, apart from it being amazing, but just to be able to hear like what the heck they were thinking and you know their plans about the future and they kept saying we know what we're doing we know what we're doing we promise. <laughs> I if I could I mean I'd love to just listen to it now rewatch Lost and listen right. to the podcast but right. I can't imagine doing that in like two thousand four two thousand five yeah because it's just a completely different landscape for that was me I was that's doing super that. cool. Yeah. Uh, just a couple of things I want to throw love on. Episode six is amazing. They have this reoccurring gag where our characters will go into a beignet shop in L.A. <laughs> I love beignets. Yeah, that's the thing. And I apparently these beignets are 
God tier. Wow. And the line is just down the yeah, block. It usually is. For but good what's stuff. the thing about this beignet shop is that the owner is this like stoner <laughs> dude in his 30s. Uh-huh. And he's giving life coaching advice to all the characters as they come in. I think Barry, Sally, and Hank all come in there throughout the episode. And they're telling this guy whose name might be Tim. They're telling Tim about their problems in life. And yeah. Tim's just like, he looks stoned out of his mind, but he's like, <laughs> super wise yeah and he's just like trying to help them out and none of them are taking his advice <laughs> it's an, an amazing gag um that is really funny yeah in episode seven like i said which is a standout for me had a lot of cool surrealist elements in an already fever dream season there's this moment where barry is poisoned and he ends up on a beach and he sees all the people he's killed uh, and he sort of do rouses. They, do they literally bring back everybody he's killed? Everybody in, from in, season in from seasons one and two. There's not one actor that's missing. Uh, the only one I noticed it was missing was that he had killed was Detective Janice Moss, who is the black cop from season one that was in love with Jean. He kills her. Yeah, sorry. There's well, we're still in spoiler territory. Yeah. Well, for me, that's I that. Have, well, that's I the bombshell. Season one. That's the bombshell for the end of season one. Every time I say Jean's lover, the Barry killed it was Detective Janice Moss. She's not on the beach, but everyone else is. And he sees all these people and it's interacting with stuff from the real world. Cause in the real world, he's stoned. He's like, um, fucked up on the side of the road. Cause he's, he was just poisoned with some kind of like anthrax or something. Poison. The guy whose father from the first season, uh, Ryan Madison, who he was supposed to kill, but didn't in the first season, in the first episode, that guy's father is one of the people Fuchs and after Barry and he picks Barry up. He has this amazing little character moment where he's talking to Barry about how he can't kill Barry even though he wants to because that's not the kind of person he is. He drops Barry off at the ER and that's that gets Barry out of his fever, out of his uh, surrealist nightmare. Well, it's not really a nightmare to him. He interprets it differently because Barry interprets everything differently. Mm-hmm. But that whole scene was amazing. It, it, it begins by he's walking down the street out of the house he was just poisoned in and it slowly turns into... A beach and it's very beautiful very minimalist cgi hmm. that just it's very um cool imagery and there's there's some fascinating sound design too while he's on the beach uh and they're like trying to resuscitate him in the hospital hmm. but it sounds like this giant mechanical kind of alien mm-hmm. machine behind him and he looks around and he's he they don't show you what he's seeing and is on the beach but it's just it that always appeals to me the that kind of sound design where it's very ethereal and uh, mysterious. So that was really cool. I don't know, just a lot of things to love about this season for me. But again, it's not going to be for everyone because it goes to some really dark places and the humor, the gallows humor and all the deranged comedy is played up. And uh, yeah. It sounds like I would like this season the best, probably. Probably. I Okay, from, from hearing you describe this so far, it definitely sounds cult podcast worthy absolutely yeah. it's because it sounds really culty or like cult classicy which i don't I, the, saying culty makes it sound like it's a religion but <laughs> cult classicy uh and and something that i would love so i'm gonna probably have to check it out so there, there will probably most likely be an addendum to this episode where i'm gushing on it as well but yeah right I, now right now it's very difficult for me to get past episode three of season one but i will persevere listener gabriel thanks ben i'm glad i think it's great tv and it, it's yeah, still it sounds really interesting i forgot why i loved it so much and watching it all again it reminded me that this is unlike 
anything else I've seen. Uh, just because it's very like, so many times throughout the show, you're thinking like, what the heck? <laughs> like, what? What? What was that? Right. It's very unpredictable and it's very quick and and uh, clever. Mm-hmm. And there's some great TV happening right now, but Barry is like kind of just unlike a lot of the other quality auteur stuff. It is very like strange and you have to have kind of like a a cynical mind to appreciate where it's going. But right. I'm ex- I'm very excited to see season 4. I'm pretty sure they're going to wrap it up because we're at a place now where I again, I have no idea what's going to happen next. All we know is Barry is incarcerated or he's going to be and uh whether or not they're going to get him out or they could just do a whole another tonally dissonant season of the show. I'm just f- super fascinated by what they're going to try next. Sounds awesome. I mean, it, from what you've said, it reminds me a lot of like of the the tonal shift that there was in Atlanta yeah. from season two to season three. Mm-hmm. There's like a notable shift of tone and, and feeling. Yeah. And, and season four is just an expansion upon that from what we've seen in the trailer for Atlanta season four. So I'm excited. Yeah, no, I, I, I definitely am interested from how you've described it, especially because you've on multiple occasions, you've said that it's just like, and you don't, you don't use the, these words, even though you can be as sensationalist at times, you don't say these words lightly, uh, that it's like just top tier television for you. It is. And, yeah. And so I, I'm interested even when you say that, because usually your top tier television is my top tier television as well. So I definitely got to check it out you know yeah the the chief important thing for me in television and for film is creativity and a thing can still be well made and not be creative barry is exceptionally creative Mm. and oftentimes for people that can be a detriment because of where it goes but Mm. i'm just in here for the journey and yeah Mm -hmm. it's very creative (laughs) cool well what what song what song can we play here maybe we could just play the intro the opening riff every time they show the Barry title card they play this like big band kind of jazzy little number for like two seconds and that'd be funny to put like right at the end of the podcast sure here it is (laughs) 